And hello, welcome. Yes, back to Breaking the Box. Okay, so today we have something special going on. Special guests. <laughs> Melanie's kind of excited because we have two special guests. We're actually out of town in another city. Uh, we call them the Tri-Cities, but it's three different cities here. We're in Pasco, Washington. And um, we are having um, two special guests, actually. Yes. Nevea and Zion. They are a friend of mine's. Uh, he's a pastor up in, in Pasco, and it's, their, it's his children. And today's topic is going to be life as what we call a PK. It stands for preacher kid. Or preacher's pastor's kid. kid. Or pastor's kid, yeah. Preacher's Either kid way. is better, though. Yeah, I think because that's more general. Yeah. So say hi to Zion and Nevea. Hi. Hello. You guys can sit They're a little so awkward. They've never <coughs> sit a little closer. Just, just act like we're doing this as a normal conversation. Yeah. Just don't look at the phone. Just don't. And we cut all that stuff out. So if you if you say something, something wrong, embarrassing, we just like that dinging we heard in the background a little bit. Ago. Yeah, we're cut, we'll cut that out. <laughs> Anyways. All right. So I had some questions, and I wanted to get perspective from people that lived it because I wasn't a preacher's kid. I'm still not a preacher's kid. I'm barely a preacher's kid. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm saying because well, I like like she's like barely a preacher. I mean, no, like, no, like, I meant barely I call that no, preaching. No, no, no. What I meant is that you haven't been preaching very long while I've been alive. Sixteen years is yeah, not long Yeah, and you only took me for like three of those years. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Anyways. The beginning of that, I wasn't even born, okay? Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. So, I wanted to ask lots of questions and then I'll just take turns getting each of you guys' perspective on different things. So why don't you start, Zion? We'll ask you, what is the a day in the life of a pastor's kid look like? Um, like right now or in the past? Like, well, just or give me a typical, general, yeah, just a general. typical general day. Obviously, don't do, you know. I wake up day. at school starts at eight thirty. I wake up at eight twenty, and I go to school until three o'clock. Get out, play the drums, have dinner, go to bed. And what about That's you? That's a normal day. Um, I wake up at 8 o'clock, come to school, um, and then I'll sometimes go upstairs and play with Zion and sing, and have dinner and go to bed. So it sounds like Nevaeh has a lot more time to brush her teeth than to <laughs> I brush my teeth now. What is a what does it look like on a on a typical church day? So most of our church service days are, you know, midweek plus a Sunday. What does a church day look like for you guys? How busy is that? Is it get hectic? Let's talk about that. And then I want to follow up. I'll ask you a second question after that, but I want you to answer that one first. But the second question is going to be um how many how often do you feel um tired, frustrated, like you don't want to do those things? So, start with the first one. What's a typical day um i'll do sunday's music and zion will do wednesday so for me i'll pick the songs saturday night um, before prayer and then i'll wake up at nine o'clock and go upstairs and edit the songs and find them in the folders and then we have church and what about you zion what's a typical sunday look like 
Oh, Sunday for me, I wake up, well, we have service at 2.30, so I wake up at like 12, just in time to eat, and then go to practice, and have church, and then eat dinner, and stay up, and go to bed and wake up for school. So what's a, here's the follow-up question. It's a tougher question, because I know that you're kind of, kind of like throwing shade down a little bit, (laughs) but how often does it like get... You know, I know both of you are very involved in in the ministry portion of being a pastor's kid. So you both are playing instruments. Zion preaches from time to time, right? So different things. But uh, how often do you, would you say you get frustrated or, you know, feel like, oh, I don't really want to do this today, but you do it anyway, obviously? Um, probably for me, that's every practice, music practice <laughs> as a drummer because... I don't have to figure out keys or anything, so I just sit there. Um, that's mostly the only time. Do you ever have, feel like not playing the drums? Like, I wish I could just be in the service today? No, I always feel like that. <laughs> that's <laughs> for now. That's cool. What yeah. about you? Um, some The most, like, when I don't feel like playing is, like, when you have to learn a new song and the keys are hard. Mm-hmm. Or, like, when I've just had, like, a stressful day. And we have church on that day. That's when I Have you ever just said, I don't want to play and just not played? Or said you didn't want to play and they got you out of it? Um, yeah. Yes. Cool. <laughs> so Melanie's part in the ministry, she does a lot of like stuff with sound and media. So why don't you answer that question? Have there been days when you had to go do media and you were just like, oh, I wish I could just sit and not do this today? Well, sometimes. What frustrates you about that job? Um, the like uncontrollable things, just everyday situations. You know, sometimes if I have a bad day or you know I don't just don't feel like it. So there's this concept, this idea that preachers' kids have it harder than normal kids. There is a bit of pressure on you, even when you're not playing the drums or the piano or doing the sound. There's a bit of pressure on you to act better, be better be the example, that kind of stuff. Um, what what probably is the hardest or the most um, difficult thing to do to maintain that? Like, for instance, like, uh, if I said, what's the hardest thing about being a preacher's kid? What what would you answer? What would your answer be? Is like trying to just stay right and be a good example, trying to not, you know, bring disgrace to the church or to my parents, something like along those lines. What What's the hardest thing maybe that's most stressful to you personally? And it doesn't have to be the same answer, but something completely different or nothing at all. Uh, for me, it's uh, some people, people that don't have that, haven't been a preacher's kid, they don't really know what it's like. They kind of expect you to be perfect. And that's the hardest part. We have our, we're just normal. We have bad days. And I guess the hardest part would be staying as close to perfect as we can because we want to be good examples for the school and for the little kids. And we don't want people to think the pastors, are, uh, the, pa- the leadership is doing a bad job raising their kids. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. What about you? Same answer or different? Um, same. I think also 
even with being a preacher's kid and a pastor's kid, it's different. Because I don't experience all the same things they do because they're like the pastor's kid, you know? Okay, well, what about, okay, let's give a different perspective. What about a minister or preacher's kid? What about that? I think it's just having to adapt to everything. Like even coming here, I had to know new people, and that happens all the time because we're going everywhere, you know? Yeah. Why are you laughing at me? I'm just thinking about your first time here. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, one of the things that I think is tough for preachers' kids, pastors' kids, whatever, is it really along the lines of what Zion said, in having to feel like perfect. But the problem with that is that it creates a habit of you guys becoming overachievers. What happens is, you know, you you want to be perfect or as close to perfect as possible because people expect that of you, and they want you to um, perform all the time. And so, because of that, um, you get in the habit of trying to stay as close to perfect as possible. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, then um, everything you do has to be good in your mind, right? Not in reality, but in your mind, your perspective of everybody else is that they expect you to be perfect. So everything you do has to be good. You have to play the drums good. You have to play the piano good. Mm -hmm. When you preach or when you sing or when whatever you do, it has to be good. The problem with that is then anytime you make a mistake, you can really feel shameful about it. Yeah. So I would say the biggest thing for you guys would be, all three of you, would be to really consider that and understand that it's not your job to be perfect right. and it doesn't really matter what people's expectations are of you that you got to do the best to just be in love with Jesus have a relationship with mm -hmm. Jesus if you make mistakes along the way it's no big deal yeah. you're, you're human mm -hmm. uh, I spent a lot of time even though my dad wasn't a preacher I spent a lot of time he was never around he never told me he was proud of me he was never there to give me like pat on the back and so I spent my whole adolescence and in my teenage years trying to gain his approval everything I did had to be good at I was like the basketball star on the court I was I was the quarterback of my football team I was like everything I could possibly be and and so the problem for me was I was I was trying really hard to just do good at everything and it made me become an overachiever. And the problem with being an overachiever is that every failure is absolutely devastating. You can't make simple mistakes because simple mistakes devastate your life. And so that's the danger is if you try too hard to be perfect and meet the expectations, really, it doesn't matter whose expectations. And I know your father well enough to know he'll agree with me. Even his own expectations of you can't be what you meet. You have to meet God's expectations. Correct. So, and just a little encouragement to you guys that you don't have to be perfect. Yeah. And you can do what you can. Well, I mean, we've looked at you both your faces. We know you're not perfect. So, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just, so kidding. Mean. just teasing. <laughs> just teasing. But, um, but no, really, I, I, I thought this topic would be really good because um, it will give people that listen... Um, and we got a lot of listeners that are in the church, so anybody that listens will hear um, from a preacher's kid standpoint what they feel people expect of them. Mm -hmm. The good part about that is it'll help them go, you know what, we need to stop putting so much pressure on these poor kids to right. 
be perfect. And so it's good to talk about this kind of stuff. So let's move on forward. Now, what do you see as a preacher's kid? There's a lot of pressure time to time to be in ministry in the future, right? Like they expect that if you're a pastor's kid, you're going to be a pastor someday. So that may or may not be the case for you. But why don't you tell me, instead of what other people want you to be, tell me what you feel God has called you to do. And it doesn't have to be specific, like, I think I'm going to pastor a church someday, but maybe I think God's calling me to be a preacher, or I think God's calling me to be a music, whatever. What do you feel, Zion? Um, I don't really know yet. I know I'm called to the ministry. I just don't know what exactly I'll be doing. When you say the ministry, yeah. do you mean, like, pulpit ministry, or do you mean, like, I have a feeling any it's kind pulpit of ministry? ministry. Uh, that's not really what I want, but if it's what God wants, then. That's what I do. So what, that's good. Let's follow up with that. What do you want to do? Now, if God said, okay, I'm going to let you decide, what would yeah. the choice be? I want to have like an outdoor career or something. So I want to make good money so I can help my family in the future. Yeah. Since I'm the oldest. Something like that. That's a tough burden. I know what it's like to be the oldest. So, What about you? Um, I feel like he's calling me to be, like, an evangelist wife, but, like, <laughs> uh, to, like, teach music, like, wherever we go, is what I feel like, but. What would you like to do? Is that something you would enjoy, or do you? Um, yeah. So now we got to find an evangelist. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're going to no, but uh, that's cool. That's really cool because usually when you talk to girls, they say one of two things. I feel like he's calling me to music ministry or I feel like he's calling me to be a pastor's wife. You don't ever hear specifically like evangelist wife. So that's kind of cool. I like that. What about you? I, I know, but I don't know at the same time. So well, what do you think? Well, you don't have to. We're not going to hold you to this. We're not going to say I 10 know, years from now, if you're not doing evangelist so wife. I'm going to call you up and play this the podcast. Thing is, is like, I don't want to do what I think. Okay, well, that's, that's exactly what we need yeah. for the answer. So tell us what you think, and then tell us what you want to do. I know, you just said this is very cliche. But I think something to have to do with music, which I don't like at all whatsoever. Okay, and what do you want to do? If you well, I like to... music, I just don't like doing it. If you, if you uh, got to choose a ministry, what would you want to do? Probably something with kids or Sunday school or something. I can see that. I can see you doing that too. That's pretty cool. Well, let me just tell you guys from a perspective, an outsider's perspective, somebody who is in ministry who has not been raised by a preacher or a pastor in any fashion. The calling of God on my life was very unique because I was only like six years old when God called me to preach. But it wasn't like... I don't know. Some of the preachers I hear, their story is like, wow, I wish God would have called me that way because that would have made it a lot easier. What happened was we had an evangelist come and preach at the church we were going to at the time. And I was really, um, I was really into worship when I was a little kid. I would run, jump, dance all like over Julian. the church. Yeah, kind of like Julian is. A little bit more crazy, though, because we were crazy when we were kids. Thomas crazy. Yeah, like Thomas crazy. That's how bad I was. Lost but I was only blanket. five or six years old, you know. And so um, I remember I was standing in the aisle. And my mom used to make me wear ties and stuff all the time. So I was standing in the aisle. I was like six years old. I was dripping in sweat from running around the church. 
And he was preaching, and I was just amening this preacher. I was only like six years old. And he stopped his entire sermon just to come up to me and tell me in front of everybody that God was going to do something special in my life, and I was going to be a great man of God. And that was the first time I just, he said it, and I just completely believed it. And I felt like, okay, God, that's what you want me to do. But that happened multiple times over the next, like, five to seven years until I was in my teens. And then I didn't actually pick up a mic or write a sermon until I was 16 years old. But the first time, and I don't mean this, I don't mean this to sound um, bragging or anything like that. But the first time I ever picked up a mic to preach, the Holy Ghost anointed me strong. And we had, um, we did a tag team preaching similar to your guys' um, uh, what do you call Greatest it? Greatest hits. Greatest hits, yeah. But it was just me and one other kid. And he was like 14 and I was 16. And he got up and he ripped, man. He just tore it up. I was like, whoa, bro, how am I supposed to go after that? <laughs> but part of the cool, the cool part of it was that he kind of set the tone already. So it was kind of already high. Mm -hmm. And so I stepped to the pulpit and I just felt the anointing of God, the Holy Ghost, strong. And I just hit the ground running. And I remember preaching this message that I thought was you know, I thought it was okay. I thought it was good. As a preacher, you want to hope that your message is good, right? So I started preaching this message I thought it was good, and the whole church responded, and I was like, whoa, that just, like, really happened. And when I did, when it was over, all I could think of was all those m moments where those men told me that I was going to preach, and I realized that this was the fulfillment, the beginning of the fulfillment of that calling. So keep that. Keep what you've got, even if it's not what you want to do. There will come a point that as you do what God wants you to do, that you will see that you want to do those things. Part of it is like when you're in a relationship, there's certain things your husband or wife wants you to do you really don't want to do. But as you do them more, you start to actually enjoy doing them for those people because you love them so much that you actually look forward to doing that thing, whether it be a chore or a you know, back rub or a foot massage or something crazy, right? You may not want to do that initially, but you do that for them enough that when you love them, you're like, wow, I look forward to doing something that makes my significant other feel good. And that's the way it is with spiritual. You start following God's calling, and then you start going, man, I actually want to be a preacher now or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. so, so just some encouragement. Why don't you guys turn the tables here for a second? Each of you take a turn and ask me a question, something that has to do with preacher's kid stuff. Ask me a question about how to, you know, let me just throw up an example. Is, is our perspective of what people think of preacher's kids real, right? Yeah. Do they really expect us to be perfect, that kind of thing? Why don't we start? Answer that question. <laughs> oh. He wants to know. <laughs> okay. okay, but you have to ask another one. Okay. okay. Um, I don't think so. I don't think 100%. I think some of that, I think some of that perspective is your perspective of what you think people want of you. Now, I'm sure there is some people <laughs> that expect you guys to be perfect because you're the pastor's kids. But um, I think it's a lot less than you would. I'd be, you'd be surprised. It's a lot less than you think. As a matter of fact, I think, and I'm sure some people would agree, that most of the people in your church would probably be on the other side. They just want you guys to be kids. They want you to enjoy your yep. teenage years. 
and they want to love you and they want to make sure that they're there for you when you do make a mistake. Mm -hmm. I really don't think, I would say probably 70% of people don't expect that much of preacher's kids. Okay, another question. I'm ready. Okay, what about you? I'm not ready. No? The, let me just say this. The 30%, though, that still seems like a lot. Like, to me at least. Like, to think that 30% of people would expect. Well, that's yeah. probably because the 30% put a lot more pressure than the 70 do. Yeah, you know that makes I mean? sense. You don't yeah. feel it as much from the higher percentage of people that aren't expecting anything. Yeah. All you feel is the pressure. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you have a question you can ask? No, I don't think so. No? Well, you don't have to ask a question. I just thought it would be cool for you guys to ask questions you've always wondered. Is it wrong for, like, so, like, if an evangelist or, like, a preacher comes over and they, like, need you to do something but you're very uncomfortable doing it, is it wrong to, like, not do it? Uh, no. I think really what it is is the spirit behind it. So when a preacher or an evangelist or a visiting minister asks you to do something you're uncomfortable with, two things. One, I would say, I would, as a, as a preacher's kid, I would try my hardest to push myself. Yeah. Even when you don't want to do it, try doing it most of the time because it'll help you grow. Um, the second thing is, though, if you really feel like this time you just can't do it, you can't perform, you don't want to, you don't feel like it's, it's right and you're being sincere, making sure that the way you present that to them is in a good spirit. Because if it turns to a, a, a bitterness thing, you might start saying, I hate that guy. I don't want him to come preach ever again. You know what I mean? So, that would not be good. Yeah. And then it can cause bad feelings towards that person yeah. rather than just saying, you know what? I didn't really feel that. And I would say communicate. Communicate yeah. is huge. Somebody hurts your feelings. Somebody asks you to do something you don't want to do. Even if you do it, you can communicate with them and just say, hey, bro, I'm not really comfortable doing that. I did it for you because I felt like I was trying to be respectful, but I, it, it, it just really, really puts me outside of my comfort. I'm cool with this or this if you want me to do those because those are my, in my lane. You know, It would be the same for me. If your dad asked me to preach something very specific that seemed pastoral, yeah. I would probably do it, and then I would talk to him later and just say, man, you put me in an uncomfortable spot, man. I'm, you know my lane is this. Yeah. I feel more like I can do this kind of preaching. But if you make me do this, it's it's outside my comfort zone. And if you want to push me, I'll, I'll go there for you. But I really don't like it. Yeah. That communication helps because sometimes, well, there's two things. Let me just give you this. There's two things. An evangelist will sometimes ask you to do something because he just feels in the moment that that's what needs to happen, and he doesn't know who else to turn to. If you're on the piano or you're the preacher's kid, he's just going to look to you and say, hey, get this done, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you got to feel that out too. If he's asking you, you have plenty of notice, you can tell him, I just don't know if I want to do that. If it's something on a, in a whim, on a moment, he might be feeling the spirit, and you can kill the spirit if you don't do it. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of things to take into consideration there. But I would say, for the most part, not doing it shouldn't be an immediate response. It should be like, hey, yep. I did it, but I really don't want to do that ever again, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. And most, if that preacher has a problem with it, tell your dad. Take it to your pastor. Just be like, hey, I tried talking to him. You know, I stepped out of my comfort to say something, and it didn't change. So I just really need your help backing me up on this. And then, okay, of course, obey your dad. If he says, well, just do what he asks you to do, then just go for it. Mm -hmm. Just, just be careful not to let that cause bitterness or yeah. bad feelings towards somebody.
because that's actually more detrimental to you than it is to them. Yeah. That was a good question. A very good she, question. She was saying, she, she was looking at been, me like she couldn't think of anything, and then she comes up with this really good question. She might have been asking about me. <laughs> that's what I was saying. <laughs> I was asking her to do the podcast. She's like, if an evangelist comes, and that's me. <laughs> She's like, because I really didn't want to do this podcast. but <laughs> Okay, okay um, I don't feel comfortable with doing this. Can I leave? <laughs> Did you think of a question, Zion? What do you think a bad example of a pastor's kid is? Not just what would be the characteristics of a bad pastor? Here's here's this is a tough question because, in my opinion, and I, people don't agree with this generally speaking, especially non-Christians. But in my opinion, I think all kids should consider their parents' character and reputation when they do things. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, you might look at me, for instance. I, I um, didn't have a great father um, that had a deep or good character or reputation. So... I could do a lot of things and it wouldn't ruin his reputation. Right. <laughs> a lot of bad things, right? Because he didn't have a reputation to ruin. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, people's parents, they, if they look up to them, if they have two parents, if their parents have stayed married, that kind of stuff, I think all kids should consider their parents' character and reputation with their actions, words, that kind of stuff. So I would say anything that brings shame to your family or to your church should be out of the question, period. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that we struggle with in this day and age is communication. This goes back to your question. You just got to talk about it. Yeah. Bring it up to your parents. Say, hey, I did this thing and I might have messed up. Talk it out. Ask people's perspective like you're doing now. Um, find somebody you trust. But it's got to be somebody that you know won't, won't violate your dad's authority in your life too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a youth leader or something like that that you really trust mm -hmm. and being able to look to them and say, hey, you know, sometimes this and I feel like that action might be not good for a pastor's kid, but I don't think it's a sin. And so I'm just wondering, where do I know? What do I know to do? And open the communication with your dad. That is the purpose of what we're actually doing right here, right? Mm -hmm. um, is that we're trying to open communication between parents and kids. That was the whole purpose of our podcast. And so being able to talk to your dad about it and say, Dad, what do you think about this thing that I do? I wonder if people look at that and think it's a bad example of a preacher's kid or something you might be considering doing, right? You find people that you think are bad examples mm -hmm. of preacher's kids and say, Dad, what do you think of that person and this thing that they do? Those running that by him... I know he's your dad, but sometimes he'll give you the perspective that you're looking for. Get two or three people's insight, mm -hmm. and then you can make a decision yeah. based on that. It's tough because, again, you got to make leeway for kids to make mistakes. All kids make mistakes. Everybody in the world makes mistakes. Mm -hmm. So preacher's kids are no different. They just happen to have a preacher for a dad. Mm -hmm. yeah. So don't beat yourself up for it either. You make a mistake... I heard a preacher say this one time, and this is a true story. There was a church that he had been to where all kinds of deep, dark secrets were coming out of the youth group that had been going on over the, 
the course of a period of years. I mean, um, two or three girls had gotten pregnant in their teens and had abortions in the church. They were being used in the church. And part of the reason they said when they were questioned, part of the reason that they did that was because they said, we found that if we kept it a secret, it would be easier to get forgiveness from God than from the people in the church. That's rough. That's really rough. So here's the problem. That means not only were the people being condemning, mm -hmm. but those girls lived in shame. Yes. You got to live beyond that. You got to live outside of that. You make a mistake, just own it. Be okay with it. Repent. God forgives you. It doesn't matter what you did. Mm -hmm. God forgives you, and you can live beyond that. And it's not gonna, it's not gonna change anything. If God loves you, mm -hmm. He loves you. So yeah. don't live with shame. Yeah. Don't beat yourself up because you made a mistake that preachers' kids shouldn't make. Mm -hmm. Just do what's right not and get right with God. For like preachers' kids, but everybody in general, you should not live with shame. That's right. a good like life principle. Yeah. You have to follow. Anything else? Any other questions? Um, I don't know. Did you have a question? No. No, nothing. Okay. Well, I think this is a good spot. I know it's a short podcast, but this this is going to help people. <laughs> short. It's like 30 minutes. Well, yeah. Because our other ones are like an hour. But, <laughs> well, here's the thing. I think this type of thing is going to help people. And that was the reason we wanted to have you guys on mm -hmm. was because not everybody gets to hear this perspective. And I know this podcast right now isn't so famous. Everybody around the world is going to hear it. But we do have a fairly good group of people that listen to it of all ages. Yeah. So I think it'll help preachers' kids, and I think it'll help adults who didn't realize preachers' kids feel this kind of pressure. Mm -hmm. And hopefully what we can do is we can open the lines of communication between evangelists that ask you to do things you shouldn't, you don't want to do, pastors and their kids, yeah. you know, other people and mm -hmm. in ministry and understanding all those different things. So last chance, anything else you want to say? Anything you want to put into the world? <laughs> Hi, mom. <laughs> your mom will probably listen to this or your dad. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys being on. Thank um, you. We're going to have to do this again. And yeah. we'll, we'll try I to like give you. this one. We'll this give you guys. A, we can give you guys more of an agenda so you guys have more. I wanted this more to be <laughs> more off the cuff. Next time. Because it makes you be more sincere, more raw. Mm-hmm. But we can talk about all kinds of topics. Like, before this, I didn't even know you guys were coming on. Like, he just told me when we were upstairs when we first got here with your dad. He's like, he's telling your dad, we're going to have Zion and Nevaeh on the podcast. We're recording one here. And I was like, we are? <laughs> like, what? Part of the reason I do that to her, too, and surprise her, which you'll hear if you hear listen to other episodes, you hear her surprised about different things that come up, is because even though this was her idea, and this is mostly her podcast, um... My wife and I come up with ideas to surprise her so that the like reactions the reactions and the responses that she gives on the recording are real, not some scripted, wow, all right, yeah. you know. So um, part of that is we want her to not be thinking too far ahead, too. So she didn't have any impromptu. You guys didn't have. You guys knew about the same time she did that we were doing this. So Yeah, yeah and like in uh, season one or season Episode yeah. one of season two, right. uh, the merch thing that you did, uh, that was 
for anybody listening, that was an actual reaction. Like, I did not know we were going to be coming out with merch and stuff. Yeah, so. something my wife and I had discussed that we really so. wanted to do for her to be able to advertise a little more, mm-hmm. you know. So what we're hoping is that um, we really do want the podcast to catch fire, but it's the it's not because we want anything for us. We really just want people to be helped from it. Yeah. And so, anyway, we know that you guys listen, and so it's cool to have people that have listened to be on the show, and we hope to do this kind of thing in the future. So, appreciate you guys being on, um, and we'll, I guess we'll talk next time. Mm-hmm. Bye.